Welcome to the 9 to 5 Joy podcast. I am Mappy Garcia. And I'm Christine Selby. We're on a mission to make work more joyful. We are very grateful you're joining us on this first episode of the month of July. During today's episode, we will introduce the results of the 2023 Deloitte Survey on Employee Wellbeing. The survey was released on June 20th, which is very recently, and has some very important findings we would like to give you an overview of today. We're also going to be diving into some of those findings and recommendations with the amazing guests that we'll have this month. We were thrilled to see this survey come out because it offers us a current insight into what's happening in workplace well-being really uh, around the country and globally. And it's completely in line with our mission here at the 9 to 5 Joy podcast. To provide a little bit of context, Deloitte is a leading global provider of audit and assurance, consulting, financial advisory, risk advisory, tax, and related services. They collaborated with the independent research firm Workplace Intelligence to survey 3,150 C-suite executives, managers, and employees across four countries, the United States, the United Kingdom, Canada, and Australia. So as you can see, this is clearly a pretty robust survey that offers information that is very relevant to our podcast, as Christine was saying. I would also say that as we were reviewing the report, we experienced pretty mixed feelings. So on the one hand, the findings from the survey confirmed how relevant and important our efforts with this podcast are, which is obviously very encouraging to us, right? It validates the work that we have been doing and what we have said since this, since day one, pretty much, which is that this work that we're doing is critical. Now, on the other hand, the survey results paint a pretty concerning picture of what is happening with employee well-being all across. And they really shine light into the absence of successful efforts and practices to increase well-being at work. So what the survey shows is that although people at different levels seem to be more aware of the importance work plays into people's well-being and how we should be creating cultures that support joy, um, we as a society just have not figured out how to address it or, you know, make any significant progress in it. So as we were reviewing the report, we identified three main findings that we wanted to um, discuss today. So the first one is, as we were saying, employee, will, employee well-being has actually declined over the last year. So it was pretty bad already last year when they did their first survey. It looks even worse now. The second finding is that although leaders seem to be much more aware of the importance of nurturing well-being, their efforts have not made a difference because people are worse off. So it seems like they have not figured out how to support that well-being and they have an inaccurate perception of how employees are doing. There is like a huge disconnect. And then the third finding that we want to talk about today is that managers, um, the role of the manager has really been identified as key in employee well-being. However, managers need to feel supported. They need to be given the tools and they need to develop the skills to be able to successfully um, support employee well-being. Additionally, Deloitte actually offers some recommendations. So we also wanted to talk about those today, right? We didn't only want to talk about, you know, what's wrong and how things are not looking great, but we also want to bring some uh, recommendations and some, um, you know, like just ideas of how to move things forward. So the first one is the importance of empowering and supporting managers. 
The second one, the second one is how to hold executives accountable for creating these cultures of well-being. And the third one is embracing the move toward human sustainability. Well, we want to use today's episodes to dive a little bit deeper into each of those themes as a launching point for you, first of all, to learn and then to take conversations to your colleagues back in your workplace and see how can I make an impact and how can maybe we can do some things as an organization to make an impact related to these challenges and recommendations. The headline here, the headline of this report is that employees reported that their overall well-being declined, while C-suite executives reported that they believe that the well-being of those same exact employees improved. And as Moppy mentioned, the first finding that we want to highlight is that employee well-being has declined over the last year. And employees are actually reporting that they see their job as not only something that's not conducive to their well-being, but it's an obstacle. It's an obstacle to their self-care and to their overall well-being. Only one out of the three people surveyed uh, reported that their job contributes to their overall well-being, which is pretty drastic, right? So it takes us back to this idea that we spend a significant amount of time at work, um, and it's interconnected with all the other areas of our life. And as we reflect on our previous podcast episode, we see these themes come out over and over again, how we want that time that we spend at work to be healthy and meaningful time. We also saw in this report that more employees than last year are considering consider quitting their jobs, and that's happening at every single level. Mabi, you wanna talk a little bit about that piece? Yeah, well, you know, I guess that means that the great resignation is in over, right? We talked, like, as we started this episode, we were saying, you know, the great resignation is one of the reasons why we're doing this, because it was like these time lapse where everybody seemed to be like leaving their jobs. Well, it so happens that a lot of people, I want to say it was like around the 70% in every level of the organization were considering quitting. And that is like very dramatic, you know, it's a lot of people. Um, so we really have to figure this out. Uh, and this really takes us to that second finding that we were um, talking about at the beginning, which is, you know, what is happening that executives and people in leadership are really not getting the message and really have this disconnect with what's happening with actual employee well-being. So, for example, the survey found that 89% of C-suite executives, but only 41% of employees say that their company is advancing human sustainability. So that means, you know, pretty much double of the executives were actually seeing sort of moves in the right direction, whereas it was clearly not aligned with what employees were seeing and reporting. And then more than three out of four executives inaccurately believe that their workforce's well-being improved. So we already mentioned this, but the numbers are just striking, right? Basically, more than 75% of executives believe that things are getting better when employees are saying they are worse. So the disconnect is real. And we have a hypothesis that that disconnect is very related to this other finding in the survey. So um, the survey results highlight the importance that managers play within the organization, how that's really critical to employee uh, well-being. 
And one data point that was particularly striking to me, Mappy, was that they said less than half of managers are checking in regularly with their employees. And less than half of managers are actually checking to see if their employees' workloads are manageable. And that's striking to me on two levels. The first is just my intuition. I think, okay, if managers are leading people, they need to be talking to them regularly, checking in with them regularly, seeing how things are going. And then the second thing is when I look back at all the people we've interviewed on this podcast, it's come to our attention over everybody has talked about the importance of clear and ongoing communication. Uh, we've really seen it with every single guest. Yep. And then if we think back to some specific episodes, you know, I can think about um, the episode with Tim Perry, which happens to be one of our most listened episodes, by the way. And if you haven't listened to it, go back and check it out. Uh, but Tim has actually done extensive work at the management level in, in large corporations, right? And he talked at length about how building relationships with people and seeing them for who they are is really part of that secret sauce, right? <laughs> He also spoke about how the research has found that one of the best indicators of whether people were going to come back to a group was if they felt heard. So the reality is that in any company, and especially large companies and organizations, managers are really holding that key to allow and ensure people that people, that their people are feeling heard, are being heard and feeling heard. And, you know, uh, in order for this to happen, managers really should feel supported because otherwise they won't be able to, you know, empower their people. Uh, and this really got to me from a personal you know, level, because when I think about my past professional experience, um, those instances where I was managing people, um, one of the I can I can definitely think about times in, in that role where I was working very actively on engaging people, on making them feel that they were contributing, on really building this very positive and open and communicative team culture. However, I was not feeling supported and I was not being supported by leadership and the overall organization. And that, you know, obviously impacted my own well-being. And then it really did not um, allow me or limited my ability to connect to and to truly serve the people that I was working with. Yeah. And that actually highlights the first of the three solutions that Deloitte had in their report, which is that you have to empower managers to support the well-being of their team. And to me, this just makes a lot of sense. If you have people, I said this before, but I think it's worth saying again, if you have people that are leading others in the organization, they have to have both the tools and the resources to be able to nurture the well-being of the people that they're leading. And I'm really excited because we're going to get to talk about this in, in two weeks. Uh, we're going to release an episode with a very special surprise guest who talks a lot about um, this thing exactly of really supporting people who are managing others and how to develop that. Um, the other two solutions that the Deloitte survey highlights are holding the C-suite accountable and embracing the movement towards human sustainability. Right. And if we look back to uh, what our guests have shared with us again, this idea of holding the C-suite accountable has come up in, in a few different ways, right? Um, so one is we can see from what Pastor Eric Bancroft was actually talking to us about 
um, in his episode where he was saying, you know, how leadership and, you know, the people that are holding those leadership um, role play a critical part in setting the tone and culture of an organization. And, you know, they he spoke to and many other guests have spoken to the importance of authenticity, leading by example, being intentional and being consistent. So Frankie Ruiz is another one that comes to mind. Also, um, he's the co-founder, just to to remind people, he's the co-founder of the Miami Marathon. Also, a very listened episode. Actually, these two, also, we have gotten a lot of uh, downloads, but we definitely encourage people to go back to them and listen. Um, But with Frankie, he was really talking about leaving his mission, right? About how his love for running, his passion, and the fact that he was building sort of this culture around it. Uh, meant in a way that he was owning that and that he was setting that by example. He also talked about it actually in his love for Miami as we were talking about, you know, building community and uh, connecting people to to the city. And he was talking about how when he travels, he always asks for room 305 and make sure that people know that this is the case, right? So he like walks the talk as he talks about connecting to your city and also the importance of exercising. Another one that really comes to mind is Joanne Godoy, who is the CEO of Radical Partners. And she talked a lot about creating a culture of open and honest feedback. And she talked about how that is one of the forms in which, you know, senior leaders can hold each other and their teams accountable and how important it is for leaders to have a clear understanding of what is happening in the organization, which cannot really happen if that communication is not really you know, like the norm. Absolutely. And I want to talk about that for just a minute. And I actually, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about one of the recommendations that Joanne made, but I want to frame that first. Um, Because I think this idea of holding the C-suite accountable, it can be very easy to be like, yeah, they're not doing this right, you know? But I I think we agree, Moppy, and it, it should be fairly obvious. We're in a really challenging situation. Like we have very unique circumstances, um, with technology, with um, generational differences that we're going to get into a little bit more, the circumstances are really unique and executives are being faced with a set of really unique problems to solve for. And it is actually incumbent on all of us to communicate openly about that, to communicate with transparency, but also out of our values, right? Out of compassion and care and grace. Um, because we're all in this together. We're all in this together and we're all solving for it together. And that brings me back to Joanne because she recommended a book called um, Radical Candor. And I went back and listened to it. And it was, first of all, so good. Definitely recommend go listen to it. But it talked a lot about within an organization how people and organizations are accountable to one another um, so that gets to this whole thing of disconnect of, well, I think their well-being is better, but actually they're saying their well-being is that right, is not better. How do we look at that disconnect and how do we have processes in place for communication that's open and transparent so that people are accountable to one another and really have a clear picture of what's happening and how things are being perceived. So I absolutely would recommend for anybody who sees that as something they think there's room for improvement in their organization 
to go read the book and see if you can bring some of the things back um, to your team. And that takes, first of all, it takes some courage, right? To say, hey, there's an opportunity to do something differently. Uh, and it takes some humility. But I would also say if you're willing to do that, um, you, you could definitely find yourself being in a, in a much healthier and a much more authentic place. And that's really the ultimate goal, right? Is for us to be in productive and healthy spaces. That absolutely agree. And ultimately, that is, as you were saying, you know, the goal and our goal uh, for all of us to be with people and in places that are healthy, um, you know, which brings us again to the to this idea of everything is interconnected and the way we experience work impacts the way that we experience our leisure time and impacts the way in which we maybe go about our personal relationships. So it definitely is all connected. And that really brings us to that last recommendation, right, of embracing the move towards human sustainability. So this really reminds me of something that Frankie uh, Ruiz said to us in the episode, which was that companies are a microcosm of societies, right? And that is such an important point. Again, we spend so much time at work. We often, um, you know, are more time at work than doing other things, at least during the week. And if those environments are not contributing to a sustainable life, or worse, they are actually hindering our ability to be healthy and to, you know, feel mentally and emotionally healthy, um, then, you know, that, that idea of sustainability is just leaves us, right? There is no way of achieving it. There is no way to getting there. So when we really take a step back and take a look at the bigger picture, um, and ask ourselves, like, where where did we go wrong? Like, how we can, it really all moves us towards this idea of, you know, how do we help each other and, you know, take seriously this idea of building sustainable lives um, and sustainable societies that support uh, overall well-being. And in many ways, that is, again, why we started this podcast, because we see so many of our friends, family members, colleagues, you know, people that we know who are either burned out by work or who, you know, just dread the idea of going back either to the office, whether that's a physical space or not. And that, again, impacts every area of our lives. So this idea of sustainability definitely is something that, you know, is a much bigger picture, but it impacts all of us at every level. And I, I completely agree, Moppy. And sometimes I actually, when I think about our podcast, I think we should just call it joy instead of mind to five joy. Because if I, if I think deeply about what my hope would be, like, why are we doing this? It's that people wouldn't just see work as this thing that they have to do. It's a vital part of, you know, what, what has to happen. And it, it's true that it is, right? It's true that there is a level of we have to sustain ourselves with income. Um, and that's just part of our society. But also work is so much a part of what makes us human. And when we are working at something where we have purpose... Spoiler alert, something that's come up over and over again. Um, we've got purpose. We build relationships with people that we care about. We have an opportunity to contribute to like this bigger world around us and to to really do the things that we're good at and uniquely gifted at. That's tr that's really a gift that brings joy. Um, and I think that we can do a much better job at society of of living living that out, right? Um, so it's not about time off policies, even though that is very important. 
but it's about building cultures where people want to be because they know they're going to get to do something they're good at with people they care about and they're going to be appreciated for it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect way to wrap up our episode. Uh, just to remember people, because I think that it's so good to remind people um, to have like these pointers, right? And these things to go back to and reflect on. And we can spend so much more time talking about this. Um, but, you know, again, we highlighted these very important findings from the Deloitte survey. The first one being employee well-being is actually declining. So things are not better. Unfortunately, they are worse off than a year ago. The second one um, being there is a huge disconnect between what the C-suite um, perceive as employees' well-being and how they're doing versus how employees themselves say they're doing. And then the third one, managers are key. And to me, that was like sort of surprising, but not really. <laughs> so this idea of managers are key in supporting employee well-being. And then the recommendations, you know, I think that really, as you're saying, this is challenging, this is hard stuff to figure out for, for leaders because there are so many different elements that are impacting their decision-making and then what they can do about employee well-being. But I think the report really shines hope into this idea of investing your managers, right? And make sure that managers are, you know, have the tools, have the skills and have the support to be able to like really support consistently and regularly employee well-being. So that was the first uh, recommendation that they put out. The second one uh, was really holding CEOs, exec like CEOs and executives and C-suite um, people accountable for um, uh, organizational well-being, which as you said before, this is not to say that, you know, we have to, you know, it's something negative or that. No, it's really about the, there needs to be intentionality they can do it. And now we have to find ways of holding organizations overall, uh, organizations overall accountable. And then the third um, recommendation being this idea of it's all about human sustainability and we all should be contributing to that. So uh, do we want to just share a little bit about what's coming up for the rest of the month? Uh, we have Sleep Bivore, who is an executive recruiter actually for not-for-profit and arts organization. Uh, he's going to be joining us next week. We're super excited about um, like diving into that episode uh, because he really shares a lot of his experience, you know, working with organizations and identifying, you know, what they want in executives and how they are sort of aligning their own purpose to, you know, who they're trying to identify as people to bring into their organization. And then also what actually these executives and this talent are looking for prioritizing as they are considering uh, moves um, into into other organizations. Uh, so this really led us into a much deeper conversation into purpose. I really love the way that, you know, Philippe really um, framed this idea of purpose and how it was really, uh, in his view, I think, a driver for, for everything else, really. And then um, it also led us to reflections around, you know, the challenges uh, that we're facing in generations, right? Because we have different generations that are colliding at the workplace. And as you mentioned before, briefly, Christine, this is something that we want to dive into a little bit more. Uh, but this idea of different generations have different expectations and may think of purpose in a slightly different way is definitely something that uh, is having an impact on organizational cultures. And our next episode after that is really special to me because mm -hmm. we're going to bring in my dad, Sal Sawi. He's a vice president for a large addiction recovery program in Minnesota. 
And we're going to talk to him specifically about how executives can build a value-based culture through hiring practices and then developing the people that they hire. He does a lot on reflecting on the importance of purpose, but then distinguishing the fact that you can have purpose, so you could have a very purpose-driven job, but it's really important to also have supports in place that are going to make your job um, a place where you can you can show up and really serve and do the things that you want to do in the way that you want to with the supports that are going to help you do that. Um, so I'm very excited about that. And I really hope you can join us for um, our next two episodes. And as usual, if there's anything that you heard that resonates with you, uh, please contact us. We want to hear from you. So you can start by commenting, sharing, reviewing. Follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. We're at 9to5joy with the numbers. So a number 9, T-O, number 5, joy. Um, and message us any suggestions or ideas you have, including if there's somebody that you want to hear interviewed. We would love to hear that suggestion. So thank you for being here. And until next time, spread the joy. Spread the joy. Thank you.